Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Guys, you're sick of stepping in poo on the trail, road apples, dung. But now you don't have to worry about that anymore because we have something that will help you detect where it is. It's called Shoe Poo for You. And basically what it is are speakers attached to your shoes that will warn you of any poop on the trail. And not only that, guys, at the end of your trip, you can pin a simple button and it will tell you in Carl's voice what your grade is for the trail. For example, it might tell you you avoided all 85% of the poo. Check it out at watchyourstep.bleh. What's going on, B&B family? This is Derek, and with me today is the only man who does hate the buff, as we know, but strongly believes that the Squatch wears one himself. Mm. I don't know why. Carl Mandrioli. Mm. Yes. Explain, explain yourself. <laughs> Not explaining anything, any of your nonsense. With me today is Derek Somerville, a man that thinks becoming a part-time vegan is a big missed steak. <laughs> wow, that's bad. <laughs> We're talking about mistakes today, my friend. Gear mistakes. Gear mistakes. <laughs> that joke was a mistake. All right. All right. Gear, uh, gear mistakes. mistakes. And I had to bring in a gear expert. The legend. Yeah, Tayson from Outdoor Vitals. He joined us. He's definitely, yep. yeah, he's got a lot of wisdom. And I, f- I felt like he could just fill in the gaps for what you can't provide. Is that fair? Uh, he is a sage of gear. <laughs> so, I mean, I was, uh, okay. I was excellent to hear his voice okay. in my ears. So, uh, yeah, he always has a lot of good things to say. He um, does, yeah. Did you enjoy the interview or did you hate it? Because I'm going to tell him. So. <laughs> what? Did you? We always did you, enjoy the interview you, with Chase. What are you talking about? Okay. Yeah. All right. Just making sure. All okay. Right. Yeah, I actually got a chance to meet him last year at the Outdoor Retailer Show. Him and the rest right. of his crew, and yeah, excellent, just fun guys. In fact, yeah, I just would, would love to go on a backpacking trip with them. And that's, like we've talked about before, that's like one of the best compliments you can pay, right? Right, right. He's, yeah. Yeah. But maybe in the future, I'll get lucky enough to be invited. We'll talk about that, yeah. because we actually talked about that in the interview. Yeah. But we've got, yeah, so he's a gear expert. He's known for his super long beard. He's actually recognizable for it. People recognize him like all over Utah, where he's from and beyond and yeah unfortunately you you did not make this interview uh we have we have had some rough scheduling going but i did bring in tupperware mike for this so he had some yeah he had some practice at that retailer show which will reveal that i think in an upcoming episode and so yeah yeah, so we'll see how that went okay second timothy 413 when you come bring the cloak that i left with carpus at troas also the books and above all the parchments this is paul talking about some gear that he left behind so a gear mistake if you will Mm. derek aside from leaving your sleeping pad what's been your biggest gear mistake there it is there it is (laughs) (laughs) how do we know this is gonna show up gear mistakes what do you think what do you think (laughs) it'll never end what about the pillow you left? What you, about can, that one? you can circle back and ask um, me my biggest gear mistake. I've got a worse one than that, actually. <laughs> I've got a recent sure one. It's terrible. Pants? You forgot pants. That's I've right. got worse. I've got worse. Worse than pants and a pillow. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. So what's Ooh. been your... It's not about forgetting something. It could be anything. Like you broke something and it's you still brought it. Of course it's what, not. So what's your, been your biggest gear mistake? What do you think? That, well, I'd have to go with... Um, not bringing the proper rain protection for my backpack and my body. Mm. And we had the jacket for pants okay. situation. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. everything got soaked. Okay. Was that the wor- was that a worse mistake or a guy who typically goes on our trip, like seeing that that mm. was a bad mistake and then making the mm. same mistake on a future trip? What was worse? So, probably, probably the latter. I mean, but I think that, okay. uh, you know, you, you, I was trying to be too optimistic and I, for some reason thought I was in California when I was in, you know, 
Sierra Nevadas, and that was a big, big mistake on my part. So you thought you were in California and not the Sierra Nevadas is what you're saying. Is that what I said? Did I say the opposite? Yeah. I said the opposite. That's <laughs> no, because the Sierra Nevadas are in California, so that doesn't make any sense. What am I, where were we? We were flat top. Never mind. We were flat top. Okay, that's in Colorado. That's in Colorado, and that's where it yeah. happened. And that's I don't true. know what well, happened in about. multiple places. Let's be honest here. <laughs> but that was the worst. That was by far okay. the worst. That was that was pretty bad. Yeah. What's your hor- What's your? You got a horrible one. What's your horrible one? Or are you gonna tell me later? <sighs> Let's see. I yeah. Heard I'll tell you, you know. after the interview. I'll tell you after the interview. We'll, we'll save that one. But it happened literally this week. I just went on a backpacking trip with multiple oh, families, geez. kids, and uh, yeah, Excellent. and me not being the best of details. When I'm trying to pack for myself. And like six others, it doesn't always go well. So, hmm. uh, yeah. Hmm. All right, let's get to okay. let's get to the heart of the matter, though. So we talked to Taysen not just about gear mistakes, but all sorts of things, including his beard and what it might get caught in. So, oh, right. we had some fun with this. Yeah. Yeah. What did he say? Here's how it went down. We are here with Taysen from Outdoor Vitals. How's it going, sir? It's going very well. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks. Okay. So Taysen. Backpacking Magazine has you ranked as the third most influential person in the world of backpacking. Is this like a true or not true scenario? (laughs) (laughs) You don't believe what I'm saying here. My question was, care to guess who's ranked ahead of you? Jeez. Well, I actually did just read like an outside magazine, most influential thing. So I want to like go with those. But if I was just to say it, if I hadn't looked at that recently, most influential people in the outdoors, I'd have to give it up to my, my, uh, my buddy Dan Becker, you know, he's having making big waves. Okay, that's kind of like where I consume content is YouTube. No, as far as um, other things though, I think I think the movement with climate neutral is really cool. It's something that um, maybe I would be interested in, and so that would be one. And there's kind of two guys that started that. That was uh, okay. Um, the Peak Designs founder and the BioLite. BioLite, I think, was. Those, those founders. Wow, that is not where I thought you go. Climate neutral and Dan Becker. Those are <laughs> different parts of the industry for you sure. Know, your questions, they um, always trump me. So you've got questions. Yeah, no, well, that's that's what we're trying to do. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're close, actually. You're really close. It was John Muir and Reese Witherspoon. Oh, <laughs> you're not saying in the last year. You're saying all time, huh? Uh, backpacking magazine is not real. I just, I'm just, I'm just seeing what you're going to say, man. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. There's backpacker magazine, but I don't think anybody reads that either. So yeah, they now own backpackers and every other publication there is. So. Right. And I saw, and like, I'm, I'm not commonly reading these magazines, but I did get a, a freebie at the, um, at the outdoor retailer show. And I saw that there actually was an outdoor vitals product reviewed as one. It's like part of the gear guide. So you're, you're breaking into the magazine world. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. We had our Ventus hoodie in there. So, um, right. Yes. Yeah, so that was pretty exciting. That's been a piece that's been really popular and, uh, we've gotten quite a bit of coverage on it. So really cool though, to get it yeah. in outsides magazine for sure. Congrats, man. Yeah. Thank you. So Taysen was summer right around the corner. What do you got going on this summer? You got any, uh, adventures planned? We have a ton. We have a ton going on. Um, it feels like since May, we've just been been cruising, right? We did Grand Canyon, went out to the Appalachian Trail, Trail Days, did 100 miles on the Appalachian Trail, had a family vacation. Last week, we did a, a company trip uh, into some high country. But what we still have, we still got, um, mm. there's actually one trip that may end up getting canceled, but we had a trip planned to go over to Chicago Basin in the San Juans in Colorado. That one is a little bit tentative right now, but then right after that, the week following that, we've got a, a three-day fishing trip up in some high country around here and backpacking mm-hmm. into some cool lakes up there. Yep. Then I've got an ultra marathon planned for like a week after that, and then two weeks after that, we go to do a Uinta Highline. Wait, wait, wait. What's the ultra marathon? Which, which one are you doing? I'm doing one called the uh, Tusher 100. Okay. So it's fairly close to us. It's on a mountain that I've that I've backpacked on quite a bit. Okay. But it's it's gonna be brutal. It's one of those things where so I've never done an ultra marathon. Uh, this is this is my first one I signed up for. And you're not doing a hundred mile one as your first one, are you? Not my first one. I'm doing and and that one's a hundred kilometers. Okay. I signed up for the tier below that. Um, I was really looking for like a fifty k, but they only had a seventy k. So mm. I signed up for the seventy k. So that's uh, forty three and a half miles. And uh, right. so I was like, ah, oh, that'll that'll push me really hard. So I signed up and then. A little bit later on, I was like, all right, let me pull the, you know, the GPX file and, and, you know, look at the course a little bit more. And so I looked at the course a little more and I realized that there's 16,000 feet of elevation, uh, gain and loss 
And uh, that's up or down the whole time then. That's crazy, man. Yes. Yes. It's, I mean, for reference, if anyone's like hiked the Grand Canyon or something like that, it's like three or 4,000 feet of more elevation gain and loss than doing rim to rim to rim. Yeah. And, uh, and and you're, you start at 10,000 feet and just go up. So, um, so that was like a big kick in the pants. I'm like, holy cow, what did I sign up for? And then I was like, all right, well maybe, you know, I can still do all right. And I was like, maybe I could like run middle of the pack or something and hit like, like completed in like 12 to 14 hours. That's like middle of the pack on, on this particular race. That's a long time. Yeah. So then I looked up the people there and I'm like, oh, this is this guy's 10th ultra. And this is this guy's 12th ultra. I'm like, what the heck did I sign up for? So you may, you may see some, some potential content on YouTube of me just like failing epically or something out there. Cause it's, it's going to be brutal. So I've been doing a lot of yeah. training for that, but that all translates great, super well into backpacking. So when uh, my buddy rock and I would do these ultra marathons, we haven't done very many of them, but we would always like, I, just jokingly, I'd be like, are we in last place yet? And then we were usually riding like in the top half. And so people <laughs> would look at us like at the aid stations and say, uh, no, like you're not even close to last place. Why is that even a question? But we usually end up like right around last <laughs> place by the end. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I kind of had some knee issues come up when we did rim to rim to rim, uh, in, in May. And so now I'm like really concerned because two weeks after this ultra, we head out to do mm. the Highline Trail, and that's a like 110 miles of of wilderness. So, do you have like this massive list, just like somewhere in I don't know the break room at your offices that just says like bucket list, and you have just this I don't know like list of crazy events, and you're just crossing them off by the handful each year? Is that how this is working? <laughs> I not exactly. We actually did just talk about doing that for like international hikes. You know what I mean? Like that's something we've never really broken into, but we want to get more into that. So we do, we are looking to start adding a list like that, but no, this, this stuff is just like, I don't know. I I think either I have a problem or just everyone here has a problem of just biting off a lot of of, problem. This is, it's it's (laughs) impressive, but, um, Hey Mike, did you, have you been checking your spam folder? Because I haven't gotten invites to any of these things. Yeah, near I and I don't. I honestly don't know how they get any work done over there. You're always on the trail. How are you doing anything? It's crazy. Yeah, we've we've had to dial in systems for sure, and and it works. It's funny. People are always like, like asking me seasonality, like, oh, this is your busy season, right? And then like in the winter, like, oh, this is this is like your off season, right? So you got extra time. And I'm like, no, because opposite. Yeah, yeah. Like in the winter, it's like you crank out as much work as you possibly can, knowing that in the summer between work and family trips, it's it's it just gets crazy. So yeah, we just stay busy just year round, just always for sure. Going. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like kind of similar to a teacher schedule though, where, where you are kind of really busy and then summertime you're like not busy anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Jason, I'm going to throw it out there right now. My wife is going to Europe for 10 days next year. So, you know, any invites you want to throw this way, I'll gladly go on them with you. <laughs> I'm just, just letting you know ahead of time. Cause you're available. I'm available. Mike's available is what he's saying. Yeah, no. You know, that's like a super common question we've had. And we actually, I really want to do at least in-person type stuff, um, with maybe, you know, more influencers and stuff like that. That's just a little bit easier to, to justify, but we've had, you know, questions forever about, Hey, can we come on your trips? Um, how can we get the invites and, and whatnot? And oh so, yeah. We're joking, man. We're, we're not. Know, that, <laughs> that's like ourselves. what spawned us to do this, this challenge that we're also doing. We're doing a, what's called a, we're, we're doing a beta challenge. So this year it's just like a smaller group. We only opened it up to members uh, that wanted to join, but um, it's kind of similar if you were to sign up for a race or something like that, there was like an entry fee. We gave a bunch of swag away with that. And then we created a framework, um, to train and to like, you know, to prepare for going on a hundred mile, um, trip. And then, so people signed up for it. We give them all this stuff. Every two weeks we do these live check-ins, answer questions, help people out. And then in August, essentially there's a two week window where everyone that's doing this challenge will go and hit the trail at the same time and be sharing all their experiences in a closed Facebook group we have. And, um, it's been really cool because we kind of launched it just seeing like, we, we've always wanted to try something like this and get more interactive. And, uh, so far, um, there's been a ton of interaction in it. We had, we had quite a lot of signups and, uh, looks like something we'll continue to do, but you know, even though it's hard to get like big groups out there, cause there's so much permitting and stuff. Once you get a group size at a certain size, which I know, you know, all about, um, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, that was kind of our like, oh, let's see if we can do it this way. And, and so far it's been really cool. So it's called the, is it the UL or the ultralight member 100 mile challenge? Is that what that's called? 
Yep, exactly. Okay. And so we do we do have like two tiers. Like you could do 50 miles if, if you're not up for trying the 100 miles. But yeah, 100 miles is a long way. Mike, have you done 100 miles in one shot before? Uh, no, my my highest is 60 so far. So, uh, okay. but you know, we've talked about, Carl, you and I have talked about that little check-in thing too. That's a great idea, Tayson, to make sure that everybody's up for what they're doing. Just having a like a oh right like a routine and then check in with them to make sure that they're they're physically fit enough to go on something like that. That's a great idea. Yeah, we kind of created a whole fitness plan and just sent everyone like a like a hard copy of it and and uh, so yeah, it brings up a lot of really good questions. But it, there's a ton of people sharing in there, you know, like like kind of sharing like their GPS file for the day, like, Oh, this is the hike I did today. You know? And I think they love that sharing interactive aspect of it. And I think it's driving a lot of people to actually go and get prepared. Right. Cause a lot of people are like, yeah, I'll, I'll get, I'll start hiking or something like that. And they'd like literally hit the trail once or twice, right. like two weeks before their trip and then under prepared. So it's, it's been, it's worked out well. So they'll see the posting and they'll, and they'll almost like be, like be shamed into, you know, getting off the couch. Like, Oh, that person did 20 miles in the last few days. I should probably do something to prepare for this. I, I think that's, I think that's it, you know, and some people are sharing their trips. And so it's like, you also like say, Hey, I'm going to go do this hundred mile trail. And it's like, now I've publicly stated a, a goal. And so I think there's some motivation. Right, power right, in right. That too. Okay. I like it, man. That's cool. Just get anything that gets people outside. I think is awesome. I fully support that. Yeah. There's a certain amount of accountability too. that. Yeah. Like you're saying, it makes people want to get out there and do stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been good. It's been good. So I think we'll do it again. Like I said, we launched this just in beta and took a smaller group on it. But uh, I think you'll see us do it again next year and build on it. Yeah, yeah. If you're building on it, you might have like bigger challenges like the 101 mile challenge. Take it one step further. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be specific for you. We'll, we'll require you to do the extra because we know you'll cheat yeah. somewhere along the trail. Got to go the extra mile, my friend, right? That's, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, so uh, this episode is about like gear mistakes, which sounds, which is very broad. It could be about, you know, anything in terms of just how you handle your gear, how you prepare your gear, you know, gear choices, whatever. And so I thought, you know, we, we just like having gear experts like yourself on to, to make suggestions or to give ideas. So I think the way we're going to structure kind of the main part of this interview is like, what are, we want to know what your three biggest gear mistakes are. And then Mike and I are going to chime in with an idea of our, of our own, each of our own. And we're just going to be open to your feedback and, critiques and just downright criticism if you have any so uh let's go for it. what's what are what's your first biggest gear mistake you think people are making out there the number one that i put down right here is just that they they don't have a warm enough sleeping pad um, mm, our value our value their pad and and i actually we made a video about this and it was really popular that's why i'm, I'm saying this with a little bit of confidence is um and and we've just seen it so much is people often think they need a warmer and warmer sleeping bag Right. And in reality, you know, the, a zero or negative 50 degree bag wouldn't keep them warm because they're sleeping on a pad that's just not insulated enough. So they're always going to be cold from underneath. So that that is just like the lowest hanging fruit in my mind is just to really know and understand our values and make sure you have a pad that's rated accordingly, especially with them redoing the R value rating system a couple of years back. Right. Which makes it even more complicated because then you might might have thought you knew and maybe you don't. But that's actually I see that problem a lot with just regular car campers where like I've experienced friends wanting to take their wives who are resistant to camping. So they get the biggest air mattress they can, you know, the kind mm. that takes like the electric pump to inflate with zero insulation. And then they freeze the whole night and then they don't want to go back. And I'm like, that's yeah, totally no insulation is the issue, but do you offhand, like, do you have a recommended R value, like a minimum rating? If you're going to the mountains, if you're going to get down into like the, I don't know, let's say the high thirties, low forties. Yeah. For me personally, I just don't think I'd really, touch a pad that isn't, um, you know, at least close to a three R value. And I mean, like, mm -hmm. that's not saying if you bought one five years ago and it was like a four, you may want to mm -hmm. go back and recheck that <laughs> because that R value right. test really significantly changed a handful of gear companies, R values. Um, so yeah, three R values to me is kind of like the baseline and then up, um, with the three R value pad, you can get really good three season use out of it. Um, you know, you get into the four R values and that's a piece that you can get, you know, down into the low teens, maybe even single digits okay. before you have to start supplementing right. with another pad. So that's, that's always been my, okay. my thought. People kind of say like, well, I don't need a warm pad. And, um, my thought with, with that is like, well, you sleep, you sleep on a mattress at home every night. That mattress has a ton of R value, right? So 
Right, um, right, right. Like you're right. used to sleeping on something with a ton of R value or warmth from underneath. You can always layer or unlayer on top. So that's that's tip mm-hmm. number one in my mind. Mike, are you an R value expert? I was until Taysen just said that they re they redesigned the R value system. Now <laughs> now I'm gonna go and check my stuff. Right. I'm in a hundred percent agreement with that. For sure. I we've joked about R value on our show quite a bit because yeah, we're just we're not that specific and we're just like warm, not warm. Is this going to work or not work? And so typically if you buy one of the higher quality pads, like you're going to find something that's going to work. But uh, I like it. That is a big, a common gear mistake. So number two, what you got? This one's like borderline gear, but it's it's gear. And it's the misunderstanding of what the ultralight mindset means and like why it's important. (laughs) The ultralight mindset. I actually wrote these out and then I realized they were gear specific, but this one really still applies. So this came up recently in a conversation I was speaking with someone who who just hasn't understood why it's important to get light on their gear. And I'm like trying to explain it to him, you know, and it just didn't, it just wasn't ever clicking, I think at the, at the rate. And so, um, when it finally clicked for me as I, as I kind of realized like, Hey, a week or two out of the year, I'm not what I would say ultralight, like my pack rate. Cause I'm a, so I'm a sportsman. I grew up, you know, hunting and whatnot. And so mm-hmm. once or twice a year, I'll you know, load up with all the optics and tripods and, and all that kind of stuff. And my backcountry, my pack, you know, for seven days or whatever, might be 40 to 50 pounds. And what, what the difference is for me, you know, it's not like my fitness level changes. It's not like anything else changes, but literally I have to plan my days at about 50% of the miles I do when I'm using mm. a more ultralight setup. Okay. And so what people are thinking about ultralight to me, I think a lot of times they just get caught up on like, it's just about saving weight. It's just about like cutting pack weight, but really I'm just there to enjoy it and, and like all these types of things. Right. But I think what the biggest thing is, um, one of the biggest things that you get out of like being ultralight is being able to cover way more miles and, and feel way better at the end of the day, because I think people don't realize that it's it, like backpacking is a compounding sport, mm-hmm. meaning like it gets exponentially harder the farther you try to go and the more days you're on trail. Yeah, but do you find that there's like a like a tipping point where after you're on trail for a certain number of days, your body sort of adapts and then it it kind of starts getting along the easier side? Yes, I, I would say that part of that is because you're always eating your food down, right? Unless you're like doing resupplies and stuff like that. Um, so, right, so right, like, right. I don't know what that day is. I just I just yeah, know that yeah, at some yeah. point, <laughs> my hope is it starts to get easier. But like if you're if you're through <laughs> hiking, like that, there's a real valid point to that. But that's that's conditioning, that's training. Not so much. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, like you're just how to say that you're adapting to the weight for for sure, but you can't necessarily adapt to significant weight changes now. And I'm not saying like you need a 10 pound base weight. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying the idea of some of these people that maybe are in our like live ultralight group, we still have some people that are, you know, well over a 20 pound base weight. And, and a lot of times with those people, mm-hmm. it's not so much, um, that they couldn't get lighter, that it's like, it's not usually like the, the budget wise or, or things like that. Like there's definitely ways to cut weight without spending a lot of money. And there's a million videos and podcasts out there to look at, but, um, I just don't think that mm-hmm. they understand the why enough. Like, why does it matter? And, uh, so, so to me, I think it's just, right. they just don't quite understand like why it's important to cut down the weight on the gear. So, um, anyways, that was just really top of mind. Cause I was trying to explain to this person and, and what happened is this person, while they, while they like had that hard stance, I realized this person had never done a 20 or 25 miles day on trail with us. And they certainly hadn't done two in Mm. a row. Right. And so they had no grasp of why that was important because if I'm only going 10 miles in a day, yeah, I can carry a 20 pound base weight pack and carry luxuries and a frying pan or whatever, you know, but, but if I'm trying to do back to back 20 or or 25 mile days, um, it gets exponentially harder. So something that something to think about gear wise, it all matters. Tayson, if you're doing 20 to 25 mile an hour a day or 20 to 25 mile days, I, uh, I read, I resend my, my invitation to go on with you next year. <laughs> Wait, Mike, are you rescinding, inviting yourself on one of their trips? I'm rescinding my own invitation to go on a trip with you to go to. No, that's, that's a hundred percent true. And I even find that in my own, uh, backpacking experience, you know, I like to carry some luxuries, but I, I look for a good backpack that's going to carry the weight and, and ride well. But also, the lighter I go, like you said, you know, I feel great at the end of the day that I can go on day hikes or, you know, go around camp or something like that. So totally makes sense. Something I'm looking into. So the 20-pound base weight, you're saying somebody who's trying to be lightweight or doesn't care about going lightweight, 
when you're talking about a 20 pound base weight, you're talking like without the food and the water, man, they got to be having either some pretty old gear, some, um, significant luxury items. Like they're bringing chair, a chair, maybe like multiple chairs, or they've got like the hoodies, like not the Ventus, but just like, you know, lots Mm -hmm. and lots of clothes because that's, I think it's hard to get to 20 pound base weight without that. You know, that's, that's a pretty hefty. I think that's, that's true. I think that, that definitely could be true, but, um, obviously there's, there's some areas that make it really easy to do that. You know, like, let's say you just don't have like a really light shelter. You know what I mean? There's, there's a bunch of shelters out there that are seven pounds. My first, my first two person shelter that was advertised as a, as a backpacking tent that I bought in college. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was about seven pounds. Um, for one person, for two person, yeah, two person, you know, so freestanding, three and a, yeah, three and a half pounds a piece though, right? If you're dividing it up, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never was, as I was carrying it for two people. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe if they're doing that, doing but, it that way, or or like the very first sleeping bag I had. Now this was never a backpacking sleeping bag, but it was a nine pound sleeping bag, right? So obviously, like, there's so much room right. for improvement. But um, I'd agree with you, like that, like being over twenty pounds in my mind is just kind of like it's not really that excusable. It's more so like lack of details or lack of going through any kind of checklist or lack of attentiveness to what things actually weigh. I think, yeah, we've talked about how there are trips like what you're describing where you want to be ultra light, you're going to have heftier miles and you want to be able to recover faster or be able to last for the duration of the trip. But then there are the trips where like I'm going on a family trip, I'm bringing some kids who've never been before. We're doing like three miles out and three miles back on an overnight or so. Like I'm just throwing whatever totally. in my backpack. I don't really care because it's three miles, right? So. Oh yeah. 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 Totally. That's uh, you know, a trip like that. That's usually when I try to test out some new gear that I'm not quite sure about. So add a couple of pounds there, here and there. Right. Good call. Good call. Uh, all right. Last one. What you got? This one really caught my attention recently when we were doing the hundred miles on the Appalachian Trail. I, I just realized how many backpacks either don't have frames or don't have frames that are functional. Um, so let me, let me define this. Mm. So, um, I think there's just a general lack of, of real understanding of backpacking frames. And so some people will say like, well, I've got like a 10 pound base weight. So why do I need a backpacking frame? Well, so do I, right. But out here where I live, sometimes I've got to carry six liters of water at a time. You know what I mean? Like there's times when I've got to go 20 miles between water. And so I'm going to have to break into the 20 pound weight range for food and water for that day and so on and so forth. But wait, where is that? Where's the, where's the 20 miles between water? You t- you're talking like the desert, desert parks and stuff. Not even there's a section on the UNA high line that there's 20 miles, no water. Okay. Yeah. Which That's is crazy. Fun. Cause in the high country, there's usually water everywhere. Right. So, right. Right. Um, kind of interesting, but kind of, I think, I think there's different areas. When we first went to the AT though, I will say this, like, uh, we were carrying, I think I started the trail off with like four liters of water or something like that, just <sighs> coming from like where I've been. And then like, by yeah. day two, we were carrying like half a liter of water everywhere. Cause yeah, that's right. so much. <laughs> I'm like 20 ounces. That's about it. <laughs> it was crazy. But, um, okay. but anyways, back to the frame thing. Um, yeah, it just, it just blew me away. I think there's been a mass movement in the industry to like kind of get away from frames and, mm-hmm. or, or like minimal frames. And so I won't, I won't name names, but there's, there's one company I know of that, you know, makes a very popular pack on trail and the frame is, is 18 inches tall. And there's, there's no way to get any kind of load lift. So the way that a frame is supposed to work, right. Is it's supposed to pull the weight up and off your shoulders and transfer that down to your hips. Mm -hmm. So you've got these load lifter straps that connect to the straps over your shoulders, pull up to the top of the frame. And then that transfers that weight down to your hips, um, or, or your waist belt essentially. And, uh, so, so there's so many people that, that have like these 18 inch frames, which just aren't functional unless you're like five foot, right? Like, or, or your torso, your to- you've got a small torso, yeah, right? Hobbit. Um, there was another yeah. one that like, I've always, I, I guess I hadn't done my research close enough on them because they're very, another super popular ultralight backpacking company. And, um, you know, on trail, I realized like, and they have frames and I always kind of like a- appreciated that, but I realized on trail, they don't do any load lifters. So they've got a frame and they can't even right. pull the weight up and off their shoulders. And so literally the only people I saw on trail they were actually like getting benefit from any kind of load lifters and frame in their pack were guys that were using Osprey packs because their frames are pretty dang massive. Right. right? And, and people always talk like, what mm-hmm. do people talk about when they talk about an Osprey pack, the comfort, right? Like, Oh man, they're just so comfortable. Right. And so I just think there's a mass uh, misunderstanding of why frames are important and how they should function. And I think if more people understood that 
they could they could find a lot more comfort on trail, especially by the end of the day, right? Yeah, I, I just wonder. There's some people that are ultra light that they're just like I'm just going to sacrifice comfort. I want to be as light as possible. That's kind of like their badge of honor, and so they're not concerned with like the functionality of some things. They're just like, is it lighter? Great, I'm using it, regardless of R value or you know frame mm-hmm. setup, or whatever. So yeah, I think. I think though, if you're going that direction, why get a frame at all? I, I guess what bothers me more is when I see a handful of packs out there that have frames that just aren't really doing anything. And I think that's kind of sad because yeah, like, it's what's like, the point? These people buy it thinking it was beneficial, but didn't realize that like it's not really load lifting or, or, or whatnot. So there are maybe some small benefits as far as like, I don't know, stabilization in the back or like, like you don't have things jab into if you have a frame, even without the load lifters, but those are very minimal. You could just pack your bag different in my mind and not take a frame at all. So right. I think those are the people I'm, I'm definitely like thinking about as the ones that bought packs, bought packs that have frames that, that aren't getting the full benefit from them. Or you pass the, you pass the hiker and there, you could tell that their pack is, uh, their straps aren't tightened up correctly. It's not fitted correctly. It's like, Oh <laughs> man, let me show you something real quick. <laughs> Do you ever just go up to them and just yeah. point to your beard and say, look, I'm tasting you're doing it all wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Tayson seems too nice to do something like that. (laughs) Maybe if you hike a couple miles with me, then I'll be like, you know, this might help you. (laughs) You know, there's a way for you to be more comfortable. All right. So you came up with a bonus one. You said this one was like loosely related to the topic. What was your bonus gear mistake? Yeah. When I, when I read your question, I, I guess I was going too quick and I didn't initially like look for that. It was gear specific, but this next one is one that I've, I've just learned so much about over the last years. I've gotten a little bit more into running and just studying, you know, ultra running, endurance running, and just how much mm-hmm. crossover there is between hiking and backpacking and, and ultra running. Yeah. And so what I've seen so many mistakes on is is hydrating and and also just okay. fueling the body, right? So yeah, so so many people, like let's say towards the end of the day or halfway through the day, they start to hit these walls, right? And they can either be a calorie wall. So like there's just no energy or they can be, maybe you have like headaches come on, or maybe the most common thing I think I've ever seen in the backcountry is when we're hiking at high elevation, you have people that start to get headaches and it's so interesting. And I've, and I was right. this guy before too, like, so, so this is speaking from experience where you start to say like, well, have you been drinking water or hydrating? And they're like, oh yeah, I've been drinking plenty. You know, I've, I've, I've drank this much water today and it's like, well, that's kind of irrelevant because that's, com- you might be comparing, you know, I drank two liters or three, let's say they drank three liters of water that day or even four liters of water. It's kind of like, well, that's irrelevant because if you're comparing that to how much water you consume or need in the office or at your day job, that's totally mm-hmm. irrelevant. So I, I've oh, recently wow. did a YouTube video where I did a sweat test and for me personally, um, in one hour of high intensity, like running, um, I can lose two liters of water in, in like 75 degree temperatures. Mm. Right. And when you go to high altitude, what's the number one thing you have up there is wind. And so what I think happens so much Mm -hmm. of the time is people are sweating, but the wind and the dryness of being up high and whatnot just has it evaporating so fast. They don't even realize that they're sweating and then they're drinking, but they're not necessarily you know, keeping up on it. And then they get dehydrated, get these headaches, and then they blame it on the altitude, um, which it, I mean, that can definitely be a factor, but that's just one case scenario. But to take that a step farther, there's also all of this information about how much salt you need to be consuming yeah, or electrolytes, electrolytes right. with that. Otherwise, you know, cause people get so mad, right? You say like, Oh, you need to be drinking this much water a day in the grand Canyon. I drank 12 liters of water in a day and I was still underhydrated, <laughs> Right. But people hear mm-hmm. that and they think, they think like that I'm off my rocker and I'm going to make everyone hypernutremic, but really it's, it's about <laughs> um, getting the right balance of salts. So my, that was my problem yeah. is I needed more salts so that I could consume more water um, right. without it. Then, then you do just kind of flush out. So anyways, I think there's a ton there to unpack for people. If you're someone who has experienced like hitting a wall in the afternoon, maybe it's calories like energy wise, or maybe it's someone who's just um, experiences a lot of headaches and, and stuff like that when you go into the high country or just in you know, just out and about, um, I think you should really do some studying on that. Right. And then you also want to fuel up every 45 minutes, right? While you're on the trail. So take in some calories about every 45 minutes. Yeah. So about every hour you want to consume in, um, 
50% of what you've, you've been burning in basically carbohydrates. Um, your body can't really break mm-hmm. down fats or proteins in a fast manner. And so, um, carbohydrates are, are the best source, which is why like, you know, having a pack of gummy bears or something on the trail can sometimes be good. Cause it's just sugars yeah. or, or just quick carbs, like a granola bar that, you know, things like that. Um, so, so people probably don't know, you know, what calories they're burning an hour and all that kind of stuff. But, um, if in a running scenario that can, can mean, you know, between let's say 250 and 400, um, calories from carbs an hour. So for backpacking, let's yeah. just, let's just say it's basically having, if you're doing like high exertion miles or, or high exertion for you, let's say, you know, you probably still want to have like at least a snack an hour type of thing. And going back to the whole like invite thing, uh, I just would like to thank you for not inviting us to your sweat test. I would not want to be part of this wringing out the clothes <laughs> or any process they did there to test your sweat. No, thank no, you for no, that. No. No. Do you know how to do a sweat test? Have you, have, do you, 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 you just weigh That's, yourself. All right. You weigh yourself. Uh, I know, okay, I know. Okay, I'm just okay. being silly. <laughs> they do that in the middle of like, those ultra marathon races and the longer ones. They do the, the weight to see how much you're losing. And especially, and yeah, yeah. I, I know okay, how okay, it works. Okay. I just was being silly. Okay, so that's a yeah, that's definitely a good one. And here's the problem with what you're just saying though is that you you know, like I've run across people that are like, oh yeah, I struggle with electrolytes, so I just kind of pop a couple electrolyte pills, boom, I'm ready to go the next person does the same thing and has, you know, it doesn't work for them. Like everybody, the way that their body functions is very different. So you have to really dial it in over kind of a long period of time to figure out like how much water you're losing, how much water you need at what rate you can take the water in or the fuel in. It's not going to upset your stomach and fine tuning. It's tough. Totally. If you want to shortcut okay. it, there's two ways to shortcut it that, that would take you so far. One is to perform a sweat test with, how much weight mm-hmm. you lose in an hour act of activity, right? That's right. just how much water weight you're losing. So you can figure that out. The next thing you can do, which is the second part I need to do, is you actually like collect sweat mm. off your skin and you send it into a lab and they tell you how much salt you're losing per liter okay. of, of sweat or water, right? So I'm a super <laughs> salty sweater. So that's been the okay. other massive thing I've been trying to figure out is not only can I just dump sweat, um, but I can, I also have to consume. So like on a range, they say, oh, anywhere between 400 milligrams and 800 okay. milligrams per liter of water for runners, again, ultra running. Um, for me though, I seem to oh be closer gosh. to a thousand. If I consume only 800 milligrams of salt uh, per liter of water, I, I can like start to right. feel like I'm flushing out a little bit. So um, I need to do one of those tests and, and, and really see where I'm at. But I've heard stories from um, a friend of mine who's an ultra runner and his wife actually is a coach and she has a client who kept like tanking right at the end of triathlons, tanking, tanking, tanking. So they kept upping his salt levels and he was doing better and better. And finally they just went and did the salt, um, test essentially for his sweat. And he needed 1200 milligrams of salt, mm. uh, per liter of water. And then when, as soon as he did that, he, he killed the next wow, triathlon okay. he did just right away. I probably need to do that. Yeah. I, I was struggling with, with muscle cramps and I started taking this stuff called a uh, hot shot. They sell it at like your outdoor store like a shot, like almost like a five hour energy shot sized bottle. Mm-hmm. It worked, doesn't work for everybody, but it, yeah, it definitely staved off my, my muscle cramps for yeah. the last uh, big event we did. But anyway, yeah, sweat test is, that's a good suggestion I like that. Um, especially people, you know, if you've struggled totally. in the high country or just totally. like you said, kind of energy tanking, that might be worth your while. So what, Mike, what's your gear mistake suggestion you have for Tayson? Huh? So Probably the big one that I made was uh, trying to judge my sleep system, like my sleeping bag. You know, I went with low cost first, synthetic, and then realized that that didn't work. So went to down and then just finally just splurged and went high end, uh, you know, a a good down sleeping bag, good down quilt. But sleep system, just just buy the expensive one first. Save yourself the money (laughs) of going up and up and up. I would agree with that. That's one of the main reasons that the first product we ever launched was a sleeping bag because that was uh, how I felt getting into ultralight backpacking. So we were, you know, launching a direct to consumer brand. It was like, man, if I could cut out 40 or 50% of the cost of a, of a sleeping system, that's, that's massive for someone first getting in and, and will could change the trajectory of, of their backpacking experiences. hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. You got a thumbs up from Taysom, Mike. Nice. 
all right, I'm going to throw one out there. We've talked about this on the, on the show. I don't think we've talked about this with Taysom before, though. The the concept of the footprint, because I know that you have footprints that are included with the tents. And I know that with some of like the really ultralight tents, some of those materials they use are very thin and can uh, puncture really easily, specifically on the bottom. But for most tents out there, I would say that a footprint is excess weight and you don't really need one. That is a big gear mistake. <laughs> Taysom, what do you think about that? I agree. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, no. We just, <laughs> we just launched a tent, and um, it's, a, it's a trekking pole tent called the Fortius. Um, but I've been using that piece for – it took us a long time to bring it to market due to some supply chain stuff. But, right. um, you know, over two years, I've used that with, with no footprint and had zero issues. None of us have. Right. And that piece is only a 15 denier – bathtub floor. So okay. it's, it's a very lightweight, um, bathtub floor and I've had zero issues. I think it's more of your intentionalness to where you're putting your camp and just, you know, just giving it a good eyeball and be like, yeah, it looks, it looks like my tent will not puncture if I set it here, you know, <laughs> like not on a bunch of knives. So then you're safe. Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. Tayson, I'm never going to hear the end of this. Cause Carl is always on me about my footprint, man. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you know, I will say this though, like I do it because I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of gear at my fingertips. And so if I, if I was buying my own gear, maybe in a different situation, I might do it more so to protect, you know, just, just the investment, if that makes sense, but I wouldn't overdo it. Like some of these guys might have like a 50 or 70 denier bathtub floor, and then you're bringing another 50 year denier. 50 denier or 70 denier, um, like footprint, like that's, that's where I would start to maybe feel excessive, but there's really light footprint options out there. So it is the fear of ruining a $500 piece of gear. You know, it's, it's, I just can't see setting something on the ground like that when I invested that much into something, (laughs) it's pretty hard. Well, I just want to be ultra light. So that's, I'm willing to take that risk. I've never had a problem. (laughs) I've used a ton of different tents and I've never had a problem with the puncture on the bottom. So uh, had other issues, but that's a, that's a different story. It's like the security, you know what I mean? Or like when you buy electronic and they're like, do you want the insurance with this? And you're like, uh, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll bring the, I'll bring something in like some sort of ground tarp or something when we're going car camping, but yeah. Um, okay. So speaking of, you mentioned the, the new tent, the trekking pole tent you got, um, mm-hmm. recently released or coming out. What are some, yeah. Give us some new pieces of gear that outdoor vitals has kind of coming, coming out soon here. Yeah, so that's called the 40th Trekking Pole Tent. So we got that on a one and a two person, and that's done phenomenal. That's actually was a gated pre-sale release. Um, and they'll start shipping right around the end of July, early August. So that's when you can order one in, in real time and get it shipped out. That's been a piece that's been like two to three years in the making. And uh, it's just really unique because it comes in very, very light. Like the single person is, I want to say 25 ounces, 25 and a half ounces. I've, we've all had that in some crazy weather. Um, you know, we don't like, like we didn't build this Mm -hmm. to undercut the most lightweight shelter out there. We built it to be comparable and and very ultra light, but be able to handle like what we need in the field. So for instance, we didn't like taper a foot end because there's been way too many times that we've had to put our head on this side, you know what I mean? And then we'd have to be sleeping with a 20 inch, uh, you know, with our shoulders being 20 inches when I have a 25 inch pad, you know, just, and then like all of our lines are longer and our storm points are more and we've got you know, just things like that that are just very intentional and with a lot of time spent in that tent. So it's still ultra light. It's just you're not sacrificing some of the function to be like the lightest on the market. Basically, yeah. If you were to go look at like the most ultra light um, shelters out there, they'll probably come in with everything included, guy lines, stakes, all those kinds of things at about 23 right. ounces, maybe 22 if they're lucky and, and whatnot. So ours is going to add about three ounces mm-hmm. over that but you're not having to sacrifice some things that, that we just don't think are worth sacrificing. Right. If that makes function, sense. Yeah. You're getting more function out of it, which is, yeah. Okay. So that's one that that's definitely something to keep on the radar. For those of you that are like adventure travelers, you do a little bit of traveling. We have the Coda UL backpacks. Those are going to start to ship really soon. So, um, you can mm-hmm. buy those on pre-sale right now, but they are, they should be at our office here shortly and we'll start shipping those. Um, but that's been a really big pre-sale that, that was like our last Kickstarter and maybe our last one of all time. We'll see. But, but the, the two new that are releasing and shipping here very shortly 
in the first part of July here, we will have a double release of a rain jacket and a sun hoodie. So mm. the the rain jacket is pretty dang exceptional. So I'll, I'll talk both about it first. <laughs> um, there's just some big kind of innovation pieces that went into it. So the first I'll talk about is the membranes on the jacket. A lot of people talk about right. rain jackets wetting out, right? And it's, it's a pretty big problem. Right. And that is really due to using a hydrophilic membrane. Hydrophilic meaning it can pull moisture into the membrane over time. So those pieces that are hydrophilic typically have a higher breathability rating, which is why people use a hydrophilic membrane. Um, so they can, they can, their vapor moisture transfer rate, um, or hydrostatic head, you know, type of thing. It's, it's, it's more breathable. Um, but the problem is mm-hmm. if let's say your DWR isn't working or you're out in the rain a long time, or maybe your shoulder straps are pushing moisture into that fabric, um, it'll wet out. Then you feel that cold clammy feeling and it will also stop breathing at that point because water is basically clogging the pores of that. Yeah. You can't breathe through the shoulder strap obviously too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then you've got a hydrophobic membrane and a hydrophobic membrane will never wet out because it won't absorb moisture, but typically it's a little bit less breathable. Um, but we've mapped those to the different areas of your body. So over your shoulders and on your back and on the hood, we've got this hydrophobic membrane that um, will allow it to not wet out ever. And then in these other areas that aren't taking so much abrasion or so much moisture directly on, we've got a more breathable membrane. The jacket with pit zips weighs in at seven ounces. Seven Um, ounces. That's legit, man. Yeah. I've been doing my research on jackets lately, so I had to buy a new one. So yeah, that is legit. Do you know what the price point's going to be? Yeah, I want to say it's right at 220. 220. 220-ish. Okay. Yep. All right. So that would be awesome. And then the last one is a is a sun hoodie, so it's an altitude sun hoodie. It's it was like 4 ounces, right? Yep. It's a 4 ounce sun hoodie, long sleeves hooded. Um it's yeah, it's it's been another one of those pieces that we've been testing for about a year and a half and it's just been absolutely staple. Staple it's been a staple in my pack. I mean, it's literally come on every trip. Um and, and it's, I don't know what to say about it other than it, it breathes incredibly well. It dries out incredibly fast. There's no spandex in it, but it's still a stretch. It's still really comfortable against skin. And then okay. at four ounces and, and packing down to the size that it is, I typically will take two on a trip, uh, one to sleep in and one to right. wear during the day. Um, those were the, were those the white ones I saw a picture of you guys from last year. Yep. That's correct. So, um, okay. the, yep, but we, the color won't be white, but those were, that was prototype fabric we were using. Yeah. Right, right. Did did you get those dirty at all? Um, no, I still I still have mine. I mean, they got dirty, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I the still white, like it. You know? The white with with backpacking yeah. doesn't always get. I don't, I don't wear it around town, Carl. But you know, when okay. I hit the mountain, it's like, yeah. What you don't have dirt stains and every yeah. other stain. Well, I didn't say stain. I just <laughs> meant that they got dirt on it, and like you could you could see because I get, I don't know. I get pretty dirty backpacking, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, but four ounces, like I mean, that's just like hoodie aside. That's just a good weight for yeah, like a most, shirt. Most people's so. like shirts that they wear on a daily basis, like a cotton shirt, polyester shirt, you know, they're typically six to eight ounces uh, with, right, with right. So short just, sleeve. You know what I mean? So, right. Mike, have you worn a sun hoodie before? I have not, but you remember, you remember, uh, Jerry, he was all covered up. So worrying about sun on yeah. our last trip. So that we might think of a Christmas gift for that guy. For sure. This yeah, I think this is up his alley hundred percent. So, so back to you, Mike, of maybe not using a sun hoodie before. Um, I, 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 I laughed at one of our employees, um, one time because he busted out his, his sunscreen on trail and he's like, does anyone need sunscreen? And he had like this big tube and I'm like, what is that? He's like, it's my sunscreen. I'm like, why do you bring in so much sunscreen? Right. And, and he's like, you know, I, I burn everywhere. And, and I'm like, man, I don't waste weight on sunscreen. I just bring a face stick. I was like, I don't bring leg sunscreen or something like that. Is what I said. So now every time he comes, he's like, yeah, but here's my leg sunscreen, you know, because, because I just use the sun hoodie and I, I'm on my feet all day. So I really don't worry about burning my legs. But, uh, so yeah, just think of the weight you could save Mike by having to leave home the sunscreen for your arms and, uh, just bringing a face stick. So, right. No, no arm sunscreen. Yeah, leg sunscreen. Leg that's sunscreen. <laughs> I'm in the market for a uh, rain jacket, and now it sounds like uh, a sun sun. What what what's it called? Sun hoodie. Sun hoodie. Sun hoodie. Sun yeah. hoodie. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's right. Look forward so, to uh, coming out. Yeah, you mentioned the tube of sunscreen. We got, we got a guy in a group who brings three tubes of sunscreen, just to be ridiculous. So yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> Jer- so Jerry, the guy that Mike just referenced, he actually had a question for you that has to do with your beard. So do you have a beard update for us? Is it 
still growing past your waist? Have you trimmed it or where, where are we at here? I, I wish that I had more of an update, but I have found that my beard just stops growing at the two year mark. So okay. it's been like the same since I hit about the two year mark and, and, uh, yeah, okay. I don't think I'm dedicated enough to like nurse it along farther. So, okay, you know, well. like speak kind words to it and stuff. So, okay. Well, he had a question that I've turned into a segment. All right. So th- these are just yes or no questions. These All are right. just, like super fast. Um, this is called, has your beard ever been caught in? <laughs> and then I'm going to give you a whole bunch of <laughs> uh, <laughs> options uh, here. Uh. Okay. So uh, it started with Jerry's idea of has it ever been caught in a sleeping bag zipper? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So so we have one. Yes. How about car door? Oh no, I don't think so. Okay. Refrigerator door. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Trampoline springs. No, thankfully. (laughs) And last one is a vacuum hose. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Honestly, I thought you were going to say no to everything. And so I had like a backup comment for why I even bothered asking this question. But the fact that you Dude, said yes to it was awesome. You know, the worst one. Uh, yeah, no, no. I, I like to shoot um, a bow and I have to oh, make no. sure I have a beard tie when I shoot my bow because it'll it'll get into the string. You know what I mean? So that that's, is, uh, that's, that's the one that's probably the most, uh, yeah, I guess you could dangerous say Dangerous for sure. <laughs> rip, yeah. rip a few out for sure if you don't. <laughs> All right. Well, Tayson, this was excellent. Thank you for all your knowledge, your wisdom, for confirming that the lack of footprint is okay um, for all of us who think so. And um, yeah, man, really appreciate your time. So thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, no, I love I love coming on here with you guys. It's always good to talk gear and, and getting out there on the trail. So appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to meet you, Tayson. Um, that was that was quite the interview. What, what did you think? Why don't you, why don't you tell us what you thought this time? Since I usually do that. Well, the bi- I mean, the obvious biggest takeaway is when I shared, you know, a gear mistake being bringing a footprint for mm-hmm. most tents, being just kind of like a waste of weight and having gear expert Tayson confirm that with that's you. a mistake. How uh, This is like a life goal for you to get somebody to agree with you on that. I mean, that's that's huge. Let's be honest. It's a life goal for me to ha- like have anybody agree with me about anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Did you feel validated? Did you feel like a warm glow over your heart? Or like what happened? Yeah, I feel like if you try to throw this in my face at any point in the future, I'm just going to quote Tayson. So You'd be like, oh, well, you know, Outdoor Vitals thinks it's a bad idea too. So. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah, he- I, I don't, I, 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 sim- I, I agree with you on the footprint though i don't i don't see the need for it so i think we're there's been a lot of things where i'll i'll bring up things and you're like yeah carl i agree with you and then i'll get some pushback and the moment i get pushback then you agree with the people pushing back at me that's kind of that's your so style. much more fun it, yeah you're like see fun. carl you don't know anything like the footprint everybody brings the footprint carl not true not true when have i ever said the footprint is a good idea though never i don't think unless you have footage of it yeah i, I could i could splice in some i think this is one area we are in accord okay like, Buff, uh, I think we stray. Yeah, Aqua Clip, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about. <laughs> you never even used one. How can you have an opinion about that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I can't. I, mean, I can't really ask your advice on the Aqua Clip because you don't really know how to use it correctly. So I have to uh, mm. look elsewhere. But um, but yeah, anyway, so what, he he talked about some new products. So yeah. So what was? Well, did you have one that you're most excited about? Did he say? I can't remember. Did he say how heavy the rain jacket was? He didn't. Oh, he said it was seven ounces. Seven ounces. See, I, I, yeah. I would be very interested in a new lightweight rain jacket if it is, like, legit, like keeping the rain off, not... Well, the way he described it, it sounded legit, where it has the, the different materials woven together. We, we've talked before about the breathability of, like, Gore-Tex and other things when it's actually mm-hmm. raining, where the mm-hmm. science behind that doesn't quite work. So... Right. Not so... Yeah, so I'm, I'm a little skeptical on that just in general, not just for, for that particular rain jacket, but the fact that it's right. got waterproofing on the other areas is fine so the range is that your answer rain jacket i I have to go the rain jacket i'd be curious to try another rain jacket because i didn't i need to get a a better one and i have a good one but it's it's just bulky and heavy and i don't like it i'm definitely passionate about the lightweight tents but not being a trekking pole user i tend to stray away from Mm. the the trekking pole tents but i I know i'm in the minority on that one so the sun hoodie has definitely like gained popularity i'd say in the last three to five years and Mm. i love that there's a shirt that's four ounces i might just wear it just for the shirt portion but I, I'm not a sun hoodie guy. Are you? I think I, I think I'd stray from that one. That one's not for me. I mean, okay. I feel like if the sun's out, I don't want a hoodie of any kind on because I feel like it just 
It just feel hot. It does make you feel more warm. Some people wear the like the wear the buff around their neck or a buff type thing to kind of keep it off their necks. So that's just kind of like next level, right? But where do you where do you release a majority of your heat? Right, it's your head. Right. So I don't want to cover the head. I know that I'd just rather wear a hat with the uh, you know trucker style hat where it breathes out. a little yeah. bit more. But yeah, I'm with you. But um, yeah, I don't know about the hoodie. I think okay. that not, might not be for me. But who knows? Yeah, maybe you'd like. So you're more like suns out, guns out. Is that fair to say? Suns out, guns out. I mean, when you have two pythons, Carl, I mean, you yeah. have to share that with the world. So Right, and I, yeah, for sure. You know, he, you flex a lot on the trail, which is you, appreciated by most. When you when you break out your couple of ferrets and, uh, you know, you have take the jacket <laughs> off, it's it's scary in a lot of ways. So so we mentioned about that, like, I would love to go backpack with Tayson, and then he mentioned all these trips he's doing this summer. Yeah, so for, for no everybody out there, we don't, we don't get a lot of invites from the guests that we have on typically. But uh, we, we he, Tayson and his crew definitely be folks I'd love to go backpacking with. How about you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it'd be amazing. I mean, I think yeah. it it's it hits home for you more when you don't get that invite. I think maybe I handle it better. But, you know, Tayson... No, I'm used to it by now. It's been years of not getting invites. <laughs> well, that's true. That's, you're well-seasoned, I guess. That's true. I mean, Tayson, what's it going to take to get Carl an invite to one of these trips? Like, I, I'm sick of seeing him cry and, and whine about it. So yeah. let's get on that, you know? Right. He'll carry his own right. water. Yeah, I, I'm not really whining. I'm just pointing it out. Yeah, All right. Okay. The last, so the beard segment, that one... That's kind of hurt. That one surprised me. That's, Did it surprise you that he said yes to some of those things? <laughs> uh, let's talk about the vacuum hose. I mean, what? is that? Was yeah. that more intentional? <laughs> that had to be intentional, right? <laughs> like, you think he had, like, crumbs in his beard, so he vacuumed his own beard? That's how it got That's stuck? good... Yeah, maybe. I mean... Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just like that he was honest about it, because I, I imagine, I mean... You know, when I've had like a bushier beard, nothing close to his, I still, you know, it's easy to get food stuck in there. So yeah, I imagine there's other challenges, right? I mean, the zipper yeah. is definitely feasible. You know, if you're zipping all the yeah. way up, it's cold, whatever. I can see that, but. We'll keep everybody posted on when some of these things come out for Outdoor Vitals. And uh, yeah, we'll see if there's something that kind of connects with you and we'll, we'll keep, yeah, we're still partnering with them. So yeah. thanks again to Tayson for coming on the show. Awesome job as always. And thanks again to Mike for helping with the interview. That made it a lot more fun. And yeah, he had some good input for sure. So so I've got trivia. I've got Mm. mistake trivia coming up right after this. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Okay, it's time for Rare Gear Trivia. Rare Gear makes travel and backpacking-oriented fishing gear. Their fly ride travel is rigged and ready to cast in just 30 seconds. And at just 17 inches of length, when stored, it fits anywhere. So check it out at raregear.com. I know some of you have. I've been seeing some posts about that, which has been pretty cool. So yeah, curious to get your feedback on if you're liking the lightweight fishing pole. 
So, all right. Uh, if you fail this trivia. There we go. Yeah. You've got to grow your patchy beard. Patchy? And tell Tayson on social media that yours is better. I, I have a Scottish beard, number one. Um, but t- there's, th- is there mean? any competition? It would take me years to outdo his beard. Like decades. I just said grow your patchy beard. I didn't say compete with him. You still got to tell him yours is better. I, though, can't, I can't do it because it's not patchy. It's phenomenal. Okay. Well, prove it. Can you grow a full beard? Are you able to do it? Maybe that's not. That's probably why you're not getting invited on these trips. You can't grow a full beard. That's it. For those of you that have listened to the show for a while, <laughs> you know what Derek's doing right now. It is like let's deflect the attention away from deflect. my patchy beard just, towards Carl. <laughs> I don't have a patchy beard. I have a full beard. Look, all I'm right. Scottish. Number one. Sure number one. one. If all of your gear is relatively new and you treat it reasonably well, which mm-hmm. item is most likely to fail in some way? Water a, <laughs> a, a squeeze water filter, B, a trekking pole tent, or C, trekking poles themselves. I'm going to say the filter. Squeeze. Yeah, squeeze water filter. Squeeze That's something filter. that I just, yeah. I've come to a conclusion from this week, my friend, that if you have a squeeze water filter, whatever bag you're using will fail eventually, and some will fail, like, super fast. So I don't understand how they don't test this to, to see how... I, or how do they test it? It doesn't seem like people use it that long before it happens. Yeah. Well, the you know, uh, Platypus Quick Draw, I'm still really loving the filter, but the bag they gave me, I'm like, ooh, this is a thicker bag. The seams are really, they seem to be really well laminated. And I think under 25 liters, the bag at the seams burst. And so I was like, oh, nice. All right. it, it's, and then on the same trip I had, I had the Canuck bag get a pinhole yeah. leak in it. And I'm like, you know what? It's just, this is going to happen to every, any bag. So some just last a little longer than others. Yeah. That's my conclusion. And you can't even squeeze that hard. We all saw the grip strength test long ago. So, I mean. <laughs> the grip strength test never happened because you never did it. I mean, we're talking about like a toddler trying to squeeze these bags, you guys. Come on, companies. Let's go. You know? Next, on, next question. Next question. All right. Number two, if your Sawyer or platypus filter squeezing bag bursts, what is your best option? Go home. A, screw your Nalgene onto it and pour the dirty water through the filter. <laughs> B, there are no options. Get another bag when you can. Yeah, okay. Or C, screw a standard size water bottle onto it like a smart water bottle and squeeze it through the filter. Does it fit on a standard size? Oh, depending on the tip, like a smart water bottle? That's, I'd say that. I said I said this is specifically for your Sawyer platypus, so you'd have to... Oh, oh, then then yeah, then attach it to like a smart water bottle and do it that way. Letter C is correct. All right, you've already passed right. the trivia. You don't have to grow Boom. your beard. Congratulations. All right. Uh, all right, last one. A person Ooh. claiming to be your friend shoves a wrapper with salmon juice into a hidden crevice <laughs> of your backpack. <laughs> Who would do that? <laughs> you find it days later, but the damage has been done. To clean it and get rid of the smell, you should mm. do what? Get a new bag. <laughs> to, clean, to clean it. I would like to clean my bag by getting a new bag. <laughs> I like that you said salmon juice. That's so, it's so much grosser. It's so worse. <laughs> what can you do? Uh, soak it in a vat of baking soda and bleach. Okay. All That's right. That's my go. Uh, yeah, you bleach it. You're destroying your packs. I'm going to say exactly. incorrect. I, I bought a commercial grade like air freshener they put inside cars when like the air you know, freshener yeah it's like the, it's like when they if you buy like a used car and it has smoke smell from the previous person they put this like ozone type spray in the car to they can't get it all out but they get most of it out and that's what it took like it back. like it eats it it eats it out I, or destroys it i'm somehow? not a scientist yeah it so has it, it has little monsters that eat up all the odor molecules got yes. it got yes. it odor monsters and right. it worked you said uh yeah i mean i was i was doing baking soda i was doing like scrubbing it down all sorts of stuff so that took a long time and you did not feel bad i did not um i think that uh i thought i well maybe i didn't seal the bag up so that's my bad do you want like twenty dollars for a new pack or what are we talking i'll take twenty dollars sure you're offering (laughs) (laughs) not yet we'll we'll see how you do on your trivia we'll see all right so i've got a couple tidbits and i've got so I've got one of the tidbits is actually we have a listener, uh, Tim Meyer. He's a missionary to the Solomon Islands. Do you know where the Solomon Islands are? Do oh, you know wow. Are? Uh, South South Pacific, so, I think? Yeah, right? yeah, sure. I mean, they're in the Pacific. They're kind of northeast. Yeah, northeast of Australia. Northeast Pacific? Not northeast Pacific. That's um, that's like America. That's Alaska. The, yeah, that's true. North, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So anyway, so so he's he's actually found our podcast and is looking for to get some kind of information because he's he backpacks himself regularly, but he's actually backpacking Bibles into like wow. remote villages there. So here's his introduction. He's gonna be asking us questions, kind of moving forward. And so here he he did okay. a little MP3 intro to this kind of series we're gonna have. So here's what he said. Hey guys, this is Tim down in the Oceanic. Thanks for getting in touch. My upcoming questions will have to do with planning a backpacking trip in the U.S. to enjoy, but using the equipment that I often have to use when working in remote areas in the Pacific Islands or the Australian bush. For example, when I trek over a remote island to get to a village in the Solomon Islands, and when I get there, I often use the stuff that a hiker uses on an average backpacking trip in the U.S. I'm heading back to the U.S. for a short break and want to do some backpacking on the Appalachian Trail through the Smoky Mountains to enjoy the backpacking. But I might as well try out backpacking equipment and learn what I can that may make my ministry in the islands better. Thanks for reaching out. I'll try to email questions in as they arise. I'm hoping to hike the 115 kilometers on the AT through the Smoky Mountains late September this year. Would appreciate any help to make the hike as well planned and as enjoyable as I can. Because when it's over, it'll be back to the islands as soon as possible. Thanks again. All right, so welcome, Tim. And yeah, looking forward to your questions. Uh, anything that we say, as always, mm-hmm. we suggest you take with a grain of salt because <laughs> just listen to our episodes. My, my next and last tidbit is I've got an idea for our social media. Are you ready to hear it? Yeah, let's go. We always have like these weird pictures, and I thought if I can throw some of these weird pictures on every once in a while or a few weeks or maybe once a month, we should have a, a social media caption winner. Like they got to come up with a caption for the picture and then they get a random package of gear from us. What do you think about that? Oh, that would be interesting. That'd be really interesting. Actually. Would you weigh in? Would you like throw in your own caption idea? I would try. I think that'd be fun. All right. So I'll put one out there. Caption. I guess this week and we'll see what happens. So don't forget to check out backpackingblisters.com for our latest content, gear suggestions and so on. And that my friends, all I got. Guys, sign up for the Patreon. Subscribe for the podcast wherever you hear your podcast. We'd love to have you join the family. And uh, we will see you next time, guys. Remember, guys, if you have any kind of juice in your backpack at all, just throw it in Carl's back for a good laugh for the next trip because he won't find it probably. And uh, we'll see you next time. I'm, I'm talking to Sawyer. I'm talking to Camelback. I'm talking to all you guys, okay? Like Osprey. Like, let's, let's tune in, okay? My buddy here, Carl, I mean, I gave him... I don't know what you guys are doing to your bags because I gave him like a like a Ziploc sandwich bag and I, it wasn't even... It wasn't even... There's no air in it. It wasn't even sealed. He just tried to crumple it in his own hand, his little baby toddler hands. He couldn't, he, he couldn't do it. Tears. So to think that he could break one of your bags... I don't even know what to say. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.